0: Welcome to Dear Human Resources. In each episode, you'll hear about current HR topics and trends from experts, both practitioners and researchers, with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources. I'm your host, Marie-Lynne Germain. In this episode, Dr. Cynthia Mathieu, a professor of organizational behavior at the University du Québec in Canada, is going to talk about narcissistic bosses, what narcissism is, how extreme narcissists manage to enter organizations, how they impact the workplace and how to manage them. She'll also talk about psychopaths in the workplace and how they are different from extreme narcissists. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Cynthia Mathieu is Professor of Organizational Behavior, Université du quebec at à Trois-Rivières, Canada. She teaches consults with organizations, and actively engages in research and publications on employee selection and well-being, organizational fraud, leadership, narcissism, and psychopathy in the workplace. She's been invited to speak for a variety of organizations, such as the Bank of Canada, the Retail Council of Canada, and Facebook. Her new book is titled Dark Personalities in the Workplace. As the host of this podcast show, I don't typically participate in answering the questions that I ask my guests, but Cynthia and I have agreed that for this episode, I may add to what she says, mainly because the topic of narcissism in the workplace is one that I have researched and written about quite extensively. Cynthia, could you give us a snapshot of the people we call extreme narcissists? What are their traits and are
1: they prevalent in the workplace? Yes, and you can complete what I will uh, present. As you said, it's your uh, domain of expertise. First, there's a difference between uh, the clinical aspects of narcissism and what we study in the workplace, which is related to subclinical aspects of narcissism, but both entail grandiose sense of self-importance. So these individuals think that they uh, are better than uh, than others they also have a preoccupation with fantasies of unlimited success power beauty or ideal love these individuals whether in their personal lives or in the workplace tend to take advantage of others and when it's in the workplace take advantage of others work they they have a high need for admiration Uh, they also uh, lack empathy Towards other people, which makes it easier for them to uh, manipulate. They are highly manipulative. They tend to be also very impulsive and they can react aggressively, especially when they find that their ideas are are challenged in the workplace. They have a sense of entitlement and they can be uh, very arrogant towards others. I don't know if you wanted to add traits that you've seen in these individuals, Marilyn. Yes, of course. But I
0: think it's worth saying that narcissism continues to be studied in a variety of contexts, as you said, including clinical psychology, organizational and social psychology, and corporate management. And we don't necessarily publish and talk about that aspect, corporate management. Also, the exponential number of articles published since the 1980s in journals on the topic of personality disorders And the impact in the workplace reveals the increasing interest and prominence of study in the field. Also, I think should mention that to be diagnosed with a personality disorder, an individual must display an enduring pattern of inner experience and behavior that really deviates from the expectations of the individual's culture. And I think it's really important to say that. In terms of traits, why don't ask you that question now? Isn't there a difference between having some narcissistic traits and having a disorder called
1: narcissistic personality disorder? Yes, actually, uh, when we study personality or dark personalities within the workplace, we tend to study what we call subclinical personality disorders. So these individuals would not necessarily present all of the traits that are needed to get the clinical diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder but they do share the same traits as the individuals who have the personality disorder so they have many of the traits but you you'll probably agree with me Marilyn that individuals don't necessarily have to have all of the traits in order to have a very negative impact around them and in the workplace. So personality is on a continuum and having many of the traits can still be very detrimental to the workplace and and to other employees and colleagues.
0: Yes, Cynthia, I think it is important to say that at one point or another over the course of our lives, almost all individuals, are likely to display several narcissistic traits, but it is the severity of these traits that we should pay close attention to. And as you said, Cynthia, narcissism is really on a continuum, a spectrum, if you will. And I've seen it ranging from zero to 10, and that reflects uh, given criteria for diagnosing NPD. NPD stands for narcissistic personality disorder. So for example, the desire to feel special which is one trait of personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, ranges from, say, abstinence, which would be number one, and on the continuum, to addiction, which would be number 10. And working with extreme narcissistic leaders can be really taxing, even for emotionally healthy individuals. And as you mentioned earlier, through manipulative, exploitative, and even controlling behavior, a tendency to distort reality and um, demonstrations of hostility, of contempt, rage sometimes. Leaders who have narcissistic personality disorder may cause
1: significant emotional harm to those they work with. And as you were mentioning, in the general population, uh, we talked about the personality disorder. And we know that in the general population, studies have shown that at about 6% of of American adults would score as having the narcissistic personality disorder. But because in the workplace, we will study individuals who don't quite score high enough to have the disorder, but still display many traits, uh, we can imagine that the rate or the prevalence within the workplace is higher than that 6%.
0: How about gender, Cynthia? Are those with narcissistic personality disorder more likely to be men or women? Uh, you can kind have of answered that, right? But what about race?
1: In terms of gender, what we know is the American Psychological Association mentions that almost 75% of individuals diagnosed with a narcissistic personality disorder are male. And in my research, what I found was that men within uh, different types of workplaces, uh, men tend to score significantly higher on narcissistic personality scale than women do. In terms of race, research is very scarce. I haven't seen anything, maybe you have, uh, Marilyn, but I, because personality is influenced by both genetics and environment, I would think that perhaps culture could influence that personality disorder.
0: My findings are actually quite similar to yours. And I can quote a 2008 epidemiologic survey of over 34,000. US adults. And that study found that the overall prevalence of lifetime NPD was about 6.2%. And I think you said six, so that my findings are very similar to yours, with rates greater for men, roughly 8% than for women, roughly 5%. So it's exactly pretty much what you said. In terms of race, well, there have only been a handful of clinical and epidemiologic studies exploring the relationship between race, ethnicity, and NPD. And what we seem to know is that culture and personality are entwined. But I'm not aware of recent studies exploring race and extreme narcissism. How do people with NPD, narcissistic personality disorder, manage to get hired in the first place and then promoted within the organization?
1: Very easily, sadly. <laughs> Their extroverted nature, the fact that they are very charming, helps them get hired. So most organizations still use selection processes that are suboptimal, right? They, uh, they still don't use a structured selection interview. And when you tend to use unstructured interviews for employee selection, you leave a lot of room for impression management tactics or manipulation, if if you wish. So these individuals, narcissistic individuals, are experts at using all sorts of impression management tactics, whether it's their, you know, enhancing their their physical appearance or, or just verbally using verbal tactics to complement the interviewer, for instance. And they are very good at using these tactics, and and it gives them an advantage on other candidates uh, in terms of selection. And in fact, we know that they use the same impression management tactics to eventually get promoted to management positions. However, we know that narcissism is associated with leadership emergence. So people tend to associate these personality traits to leadership, but once these leaders are in place, narcissism is not associated with leadership effectiveness. So that's an interesting element and it shows you how they manage to manipulate their way up the corporate ladder. But once they're there, they're not necessarily effective leaders and there certainly aren't positive uh, leaders. I think my short answer would be, you know, why do they get hired? Well, they work hard,
0: they are top performers and they're good at selling themselves You know, as you said, extreme narcissists are commonly found in leadership positions, partially because of their ability to make a positive first impression, as what you call impression management. They tend to inflate their own leadership abilities, their own importance, and their achievements, of course. Whether they're true or not, those achievements, they'll make them up if need be. The behavioral manifestations that contribute to positive first impressions include, as you said, looking good, you know, attractiveness. Competence or pretense of competence, if you will, interpersonal warmth and humor. They tend to be funny, you know, they can be funny, mm-hmm. all of which extreme narcissists really tend to excel at. And recruiters often fall for all of those traits. So I could also add that it's not surprising that many extreme narcissistic people with their need for power and prestige and glamour and eventually end up in leadership positions. Their sense of drama, their ability to manipulate others, their knack for establishing quick and yet superficial relationships serve them well in organizational life today. And although these traits may initially carry a negative connotation, many of them are rewarded in organizations. And I think that's part of the problem, right? And that partially explains why there's a large proportion of
1: extreme narcissist leaders in executive management positions. Absolutely. They seek power over others. And the question is, once they do have that power as leaders, what do they do with it? Are they going to use it for the good of the organization, for the employees, or will they use it for, uh, to advance their own career or for their own personal gain?
0: Yeah, and usually it's for their own personal gain. They're very self-centered. Absolutely. So why do we focus so much on people with
1: NPD? Is their impact really destructive in organizations? Some might say, and maybe your research will uh, shed a light on what I'm, I'm about to say, but some might say that in the short run, so these individuals could be very beneficial for organizations. It is mostly in their interpersonal relationships that they are very detrimental within workplaces. Narcissistic personality has been associated with harassment and bullying in the workplace. It has been associated with... With corporate fraud and other misbehaviors in a workplace. So, in the long run, having these individuals within your workplace will definitely be uh, detrimental to your employees, to the uh, corporate culture. Their low sense of ethics also leads to uh, many problems uh, within uh, organizations.
0: And from an HR perspective, you know, what recruiters often don't know is that. Although narcissists come off as being skilled, initiating relationships, they are absolutely unable to sustain them over time. And over time, negative qualities emerge. So yeah, they look good upon hiring, but as they stay in the organization, they become destructive. They become arrogant, exploitative, self-centered, definitely, with progressively eroding their work relationships and their deficiencies within interpersonal relations have been deemed as a leading predictor of managerial derailment. So yes, their impact can totally be destructive in organizations. So Cynthia, how did one manage a co-worker, an employee or boss with NPD?
1: This is not an easy question to answer. Before anything, I think... Employees uh, need, or coworkers, or even managers, the, the individual would need to make sure that they have the support of the organization. The problem when you're dealing with narcissistic coworkers, or, or managers, or employees is that they tend to manipulate the system. And they tend to have people who have a lot of power vouch for them. And that is a problem in a sense that I've even seen within different types of organizations, narcissistic individuals creating uh, very strong bonds with higher management which makes it a lot more difficult if you are dealing with this individual and you want to come forward with an ethical behavior on their part or harassment complaint. So I would say to anyone who is dealing with these types of individuals within the workplace, first, you need to make sure that you have the support of your organization before beginning any type of intervention or complaint against these individuals also these procedures if you're uh, if you're going quote-unquote to war with uh, these individuals you have to be in a place in your life in your career where you have the time and energy to to devote to that fight and that's something that i always you know start with when i um, talk to employees And so the next step, if you do have the support and you feel like you're ready to embark on that, uh, on you know, in, in, in dealing with that situation, I think you have to be extremely careful and put everything in writing. You want to make sure that all of the communication that you're having with these individuals, because they are highly manipulative and they will not hesitate to lie, it'll eventually come to, you know, being their word against uh, against yours. And it's extremely important to put as much information as possible in writing. We also know that they have a low sense of ethics. So one thing when you are uh, finding that uh, you have a coworker or or a boss with uh, narcissistic traits is, make sure that you talk to HR, you look at their, you know, bullying or harassment behavior, if there's been complaints in the past. Also, you can have a look at any, you know, transactions or financial transactions that they would do, because they tend not to be very detail oriented. Uh, they tend to be action oriented. But when it comes to to details, and and again, and, and, and ethics, they tend to lack uh, in those competencies. And so when you start, looking at their paperwork at their that the, you know past transactions that they've made those are all areas where uh you will you might find elements that will help you in your case but certainly don't go at it alone make sure that you keep a certain distance that you put down limits with these individuals and that you get as much support as possible either from hr but it could also be you know hiring a coach or having a mentor but certainly having people around you because they are so highly manipulative that it's very hard not to fall into the trap where you start thinking that maybe you're responsible for what's going on with that individual
0: right they excel at gaslighting
1: so I think yes first
0: uh, employees who believe that their boss is a narcissist should reflect on how they are impacted by him or her so how does your coworker affect you right generally npd leaders will act entirely in a positive or negative manner a negative interaction includes the dismissal or the ignorance of subordinates so if you're ignored causing them to feel resentful and feeling treated unfairly by that leader especially compared to the chosen employee right the chosen employee who has worked for extended periods of time with that leader will often experience a lot of anxiety, lowered self-esteem, decreased energy, depression, various addictions, health issues, and also compulsive behaviors. So do you often feel drained after interacting with your your boss? Are you feeling alienated and uh, an overall feeling of dread about going to work? All of those are signs that you should pay close attention to. Also, do you have self-doubt? Are you uncertain about your work expectations? All of those questions are worth asking. You could also ask yourself if you're are you unable to focus on your personal work agenda? Do you feel anxious, resentful, powerless, burnt out? You know, do you believe that you can't change your job circumstances? Noticing Those, along with some physical impact, such as uh, signs of depression, lack of sleep, changes in weight, and a feeling of worthlessness is definitely a first step towards addressing the problem, if you will. And then second, when subordinates feel that they can't receive any support or reassurance from their narcissistic boss and when they fear even discussing work related issues with a boss then it's really advised that they set boundaries and employ survival tactics to for self care to salvage their self esteem and also their career so emphasizing personal needs that could include you know respect for your own choice your emotions your thoughts is absolutely crucial for self preservation when interacting with an extreme narcissistic co-worker and setting protective boundaries should limit the the behaviors of entitlement and devaluation by NPD leaders. It should maximize the working relationship and also allow you, the subordinate, to avoid falling into being an emotional hostage. So more practically speaking, from a nature perspective, if you will, I recommend, as you said, Cynthia, that you document everything. I think people should keep a record of their email, of their text exchanges with a narcissistic employee. And this will allow you to support your case with HR. And sometimes even the court, uh, should a lawsuit be filed for harassment or even wrongful termination. You should also rely on third-party witnesses. So you can bring another person into a meeting if you can, and that may prevent overt bullying by the extreme narcissistic boss. You should also remain focused on your work tasks. Because as you said, Cynthia, the narcissist will find every way possible to point out your flaws and humiliate you if your performance suffers. And if you don't support them, they will do their very best to get rid of you. They'll throw you under the bus if they have to, because they have low morals, right? They don't, they don't care. Ethics is not their best suit, as you said, Cynthia. And if you can, Make the narcissist boss aware of their behaviors. Now, that's a, that's a tough one because it could backfire. But if you can, make them aware of the good and the bad behaviors. And if you don't see any progress, I think, yes, you should contact HR ask uh, if there is a hotline available to report abusive behaviors. You can also use the employee assistance program, the EAP, if your organization has one. If you have the means to consult with a psychotherapist, then do so. And that person would provide a much needed reality check about what behaviors are acceptable in the workplace And she or he would help you manage the relationship with your narcissistic co-worker. By the way, that may include working on finding another job. As you said, sometimes it cannot be fixed.
1: And, you know, if you want to salvage your sanity, you may need to look for another job. Absolutely. And which is unfortunate because we find higher turnover rates in teams where you find narcissistic bosses, right? And that's very unfortunate because, you know, the organization can be losing a lot of, you know, high potential, excellent employees, you know, in the meantime, keeping a very abusive or narcissistic manager. We see that quite often. But as you said, I have seen instances where the employee was in such a state that they didn't have the energy to come forward with, you know, the situation. And I have suggested that they find a job elsewhere. However, I would also advise employees to make sure that the narcissistic individual is not aware of the fact that you are looking for a position elsewhere. I've seen instances where although the uh, the manager was, you know, had a very negative uh, attitude and was abusive towards the employee, they became quite aggressive and blocked employees f- from being able to go elsewhere. So I find that it's very similar to what we uh, what we see in intimate partner abuse. Where there's kind of this control issue of wanting the employee to remain on the team, although they are clearly being abusive and making the employees and very good at making the employee feel as though they are incompetent, uh, they still will, you know, will not allow them to or or be comfortable with them leaving, uh, leaving the team unless the employee is a threat in any way to the narcissist's career. Then, as you said, they will be happy to throw them under the bus and have them leave.
0: It's interesting you made the connection to personal relationships, because in personal relationships, when you divorce or when you leave a partner, that is actually the most dangerous time is when you're about to leave a relationship. And this is when the most of the violence occurs. And the same thing in, in the workplace with narcissistic bosses. They will do everything in their power to damage your potential to get another job. They will threaten you. They will tell you. they are never write a recommendation for you that you'll never get another good job, et cetera, et cetera.
1: No. And one thing that people m- must understand is it's the same individuals. Because narcissism has been associated with increased rates of interpersonal violence as well, both psychological violence, physical violence, and sexual violence within intimate relationships. When they leave the house and go to work, then it's not very surprising that we see that personality being associated with you know, different forms of violence in the workplace, such as harassment or bullying. Absolutely.
0: And, you know, there's the spillover effect, right? It's like what happens at home sometimes happens at work and what happens at work also happens at home. And even though it could be a little more covert in the workplace. So Cynthia, I know you've done some research on psychopaths in the workplace. Can you tell our listeners how psychopaths may be different from those who have NPD? How are their behaviors different? And are psychopaths more dangerous for the organization and for their coworkers compared to extreme narcissists?
1: When we look at the three personalities composing the dark triad, right? The dark triad is composed of three dark personalities, Machiavellianism, uh, narcissism, and psychopathy. We know that psychopathy is the most treacherous you know the most dangerous of of the three personalities mainly because although they share some of the traits some uh, researchers have looked at the the common traits in all three dark personalities and what they found is kind of the core of darkness that they call was that it was mainly manipulation so the fact that these individuals are manipulative and unethical and also callous so the fact that they have, you know, they're very callous, a lack of empathy towards uh, others. So that's the common, those are the like, kind of the co- common core, common traits among the three dark personalities. However, I would say that psychopaths differ from narcissists in the sense that there are emotions that psychopaths are unable to feel. Uh, empathy towards other Sadness, Uh, some emotions are just not accessible for psychopaths. So, psychopathy is composed of four different factors. And the first one is manipulative and unethical it's the interpersonal factor so it's it's how they are within their relationships very insincere they're arrogant they're untrustworthy uh, very manipulative so that they have you know in it, that's similar to what we find in narcissism also uh, in terms of their emotions they're pretty much remorseless they're very shallow and sensitive and they tend to blame others for their own mistakes. Also, they, in terms of their lifestyle, in the workplace, they're very unreliable and, and very unfocused. They are selfish. They're, uh, they can be erotic in their behaviors. They're very difficult to manage. They're extremely impulsive. The aggression that narcissists and psychopaths have, so their violence is different. Narcissists tend to, to retaliate when they feel that their ego has been threatened. So that's mostly when they become aggressive psychopaths because they're not very emotional they tend to to not have a reactive type of violence uh, but mainly they act on 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 impulse right they're very highly impulsive so they see an opportunity and even if, if it entails uh, having to act in a violent way to get what they want then they will and uh, they can be uh, quite quite violent they they represent a small portion of individuals who are incarcerated however they commit the uh, the most violent crimes in society And I believe it's it's the same thing within organizations. So in terms of prevalence within the general population, psychopaths represent about 1% of the general population. Uh, However, uh, there's one study that I know of that has looked at prevalence within higher, higher management. And they found a 4% rate. So a higher rate and higher management than in the general population. And that is using the clinical measure of psychopathy. But again, uh, as for narcissism, when we study psychopathy within the workplace, we usually look at traits uh, and, and subclinical aspects of, uh, of psychopathy. But they are certainly more dangerous than uh, than narcissists within workplaces.
0: Could it be violent towards employees?
1: They can absolutely be violent. There's no, um, I think they're more dangerous in their violence, again, because they have, you know, narcissists have low sense, you, you've mentioned, uh, you know, their low sense of morality. Uh, but psychopaths have absolutely no conscience, no, no sense of morality whatsoever. So for them, for instance, just as an example, stealing, stealing, $10 from someone's pocket is exactly the same as finding $10, uh, you know, as you're walking on the street, they see absolutely no difference in that. And it's it's the same thing is we find that even studies on brain studies uh, have shown that the, the zones that usually light up for individuals when they uh, are exposed to highly traumatic events or images they don't in psychopaths they don't respond in the same way actually they don't feel anything when they when they watch or even when they talk about their uh, their crimes so in that sense whereas like for narcissism you would find low empathy for psychopaths there's absolutely no empathy that is there. They're incapable of feeling remorse, guilt, or empathy, which makes it easier for them to be violent. There's a study on the links between psychopathy and white collar crime, and the author was also talking about red collar crime, and he was linking it to psychopathy, whereas it was actually corporate crime, and the individual eventually ended up murdering uh, certain individuals because they didn't want their schemes to be known so you know there's and and the author mentions that it was always there it was always inherent in the in the psychopath's personality but the difference that we find between the corporate psychopaths and the ones that you uh, would find in in uh, in jail is probably more environmental than the structure of their personality so they have probably had more opportunities in terms of education uh, that probably could come from wealthier families, and they've had so many opportunities that they uh, were able to, you know, use these skills that they acquired uh, to commit different types of crimes. That are not victimless, right? Because they are also associated, you know, like like narcissists, uh, with uh, workplace violence uh, and uh, and fraud, and they're highly impulsive as well, especially in their uh, aggressivity. So that makes them extremely uh, extremely dangerous in in the workplace as in society in general.
0: Since extreme
1: narcissists
0: and psychopaths are so destructive to those they work with, can you tell us? what HR professionals can do to avoid hiring them? And should they really not hire them since they can be such stellar employees
1: like we said earlier? (laughs) You've probably been asked that that question before because I I get asked that question a lot. Why shouldn't we hire them if they do have traits that we are looking for in leaders and, and, and within the workplace? And My answer is they do have traits that are similar to good leaders, but they also have very negative traits. And as we talked, you know, in the long run, they will be detrimental to the organization because they're not loyal. They're not loyal to anyone else than themselves. And I would say HR absolutely should avoid hiring them. And how would they do that? We mentioned uh, structured interviews at the beginning. These individuals are are, uh, highly manipulative, and you mentioned their profile, right? And how glorious they look during an interview. In fact, you know most of the time it seems as though they take over the entire interview we've i've seen that i've seen that in it happen in the past i think hr absolutely needs to make sure that they are using structured interviews and that these interviews are geared towards measuring specific skills associated with the position that you're hiring for so that their extroversion and the, you know the fact that they make grandiose promises during interviews Make sure that that doesn't, all the biases that that they can introduce, you know, with their personality traits, that that is controlled. Uh, and minimized uh, as much as uh, as much as possible. And one thing that HR should be looking for, and you mentioned, you know, uh, uh, interpersonal skills is a lot of times we hire managers or or employees, and we focus on work related skills. And we forget about the important interpersonal skills. And here I'm not talking about, you know, being, you know, extroverted, or or charisma. And I'm not talking about being really good at verbal or oral skills, skills. What I mean is, you know, interpersonal skills in terms of we're talking about humility, we're talking about empathy for others, and being able to listen to others, caring for others. So those are, are interpersonal skills that HR should definitely be looking for when they are doing the uh, the selection process, just because narcissists and psychopaths would likely score very low on these skills. And the same could be said for performance appraisals as well, to have, you know, performance, good performance appraisals and to train managers to effectively deliver the performance appraisals. I think that's something that's extremely uh, important as well, to make sure that not only you don't hire them, but if they are already within your organization, that you do not promote them to management positions where the damages could be, you know, extensive.
0: I agree. What company would not like a hardworking, confident, charismatic, and and charming top performer, right? Actually, when these skills are channeled in a constructive manner, they have the potential to accomplish admirable results. But it's worth adding that, yes, extreme narcissism is prevalent in high-level corporate employees, but we rarely talk about it because of the recurrent stigma and the divide between business functions and employee psychology. And correct me if I'm wrong, Cynthia, but clinical psychologists and psychiatrists are held to professional and ethical standards that make them reluctant to diagnose personality disorders without administering a formal assessment. So unless the organization hires a trained professional, there is no way of screening them out during the hiring process. So I think the key for HR recruiters or directors is to pay close attention to increased employee absenteeism, turnover in the leaders department, and to complaints. That's, of course, when the person has been hired, that narcissist is in the workplace. They should also train all employees on well being strategies in the workplace, which may provide a safe platform to open up about problems within a specific department. They should also investigate all the employees' complaints, even if these complaints are filed against a high level or a a high producing employee. And I think you mentioned that earlier. As far as avoiding hiring extreme narcissists, recruiters and HR professionals need to learn to recognize them, right? So first, HR professionals should move from the current heroic leadership model, right? To a more relational one, as well as encouraging greater focus on self-awareness. Recruiters should be really weary of candidates who present a combination of, you know, charm and overconfidence, being self-absorbed, but also unable to speak about personal failures or shortcomings and how well they have worked with others. And also those who promise stellar performance, you know. So, in closing, Cynthia, can you tell us about your new book, Dark Personalities
1: in the Workplace? The goal for the book was really to inform people on what these individuals can do you know the damages that they can do within the workplace but also for each chapter there's a practical section for uh, for hr professionals and students so that they can understand what these individuals uh, look like during an interview uh, or, or selection how they manage to enter organizations how they manage to climb up the corporate ladder and how how they manage to stay there also and I also talk about there's a positive chapter too. <laughs> and there's one on the last chapter is on how to create because you've you've talked about what should be done and I absolutely agree with everything that you said. And there's also um, a question you talked about we need to, revisit how we define leadership but i think we also need to revisit organizational cultures and have a culture that puts people first instead of just putting profit first so that it, that, that is also uh, something that i wanted to convey in my book and i think is something that that organizations should uh, should definitely work on to have a positive culture and to have the courage to deal with these individuals, once you identify them, and once you 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 see firsthand the damages that they can do, you talked about you know surveys and looking at you know complaints and turnover and in, uh, intention and and harassment or, but once these things once once you find that these things are you know are happening in your organization, we've talked a lot about. Uh, implementing these policies for harassment, policies for discrimination. But once these things are there and you notice them, what is done? I like the, the saying actions speak louder than words. And I think in this case, it's extremely important. So for organizations to understand that, you know, unless they are ready to deal with the misbehaviors of these individuals, they, are going to keep doing the things, the negative things that they do within the, the workplace. And eventually, it will be detrimental to the, to the uh, organization.
0: It's interesting. Organizations have the duty to keep employees safe, right? And so perhaps there's a connection here with corporate social responsibility, since employees are internal stakeholders and they ought to be you know, working in a safe environment. Very interesting. Thank you, Cynthia, for sharing your insights about the impact extreme narcissists and
1: psychopaths have in the workplace. Thank you very much. It was great to be interviewed by an expert in in the field. So thank you. It was a great experience. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Dear Human Resources. In each episode, you will hear about current HR topics and trends from experts, both practitioners and researchers with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources.